Everyone cheers again, and soon we're dancing, our bodies moving, one big mass of girls having fun. As I watch Lucy spin and knock her dark curls around, and as I listen to Claudia laugh and sing along badly, it occurs to me that this is what it means to be a feminist. Not a humanist or an equalist or whatever, but a feminist. It's not a bad word. After today, it might be my favorite word. Because really, all it is is girls supporting each other and wanting to be treated like human beings in a world that's always finding ways to tell them they're not. Man, it's a good thing I wore this shirt today. My shirt that says, this is what a feminist looks like. <laughs> I am I am putting a, a sweater over my meninist shirt. <laughs> oh, man, we should have had more women on this episode. What Disappointed were, what were we that thinking? Joshua was wearing like his Oath Keeper shirt to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Promise uh, keepers. That might be better, actually. Can we change my joke? Key, yeah, I think I keepers. meant promise keepers no. and not oath keepers. Are, but well, I, I feel like they're one and the same. I, I did the opposite a few weeks ago on a podcast. I said promise keepers when I meant oath keepers. So mm. That's hilarious. I think I remember hearing that. That would be really funny if the promise keepers stormed the Capitol. I mean, they they're would. Probably, they're all the same people, basically. Yeah. Wait, are the promise keepers the ones who marry their own daughters? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, those are no. the fundamentalist Mormons out in they, in they like the deep dark wilds of like they, Arizona and Utah. They don't marry their own daughters, but they uh, definitely take photos of them about to go to prom, holding guns and say, <laughs> "Whatever you do to her, I'm doing to you." Kind of stuff. They definitely I'm make their uh, daughters wear purity rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. They, well, like one hundred percent, they do that. So yeah. They they emotionally marry their daughters, is what I'm saying. In a Freudian, sense. don't they have like weird ceremonies? Some churches and stuff like that. I don't know if they're necessarily associated with purity. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, but whatever I, you get, like your purity ring, is that like the ritual where your father like is that a thing? Or yeah, I, yeah. I mean, a lot maybe of times, for yeah, some, the, the, not all. The father will give it to the the daughter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how I got out of ever getting like a true love weights i think it was they're like 30 dollars, and uh, i didn't ask my parents for money for one anyway butterfly kisses right the closest i ever got to that was i was briefly friends with a girl in seventh or eighth grade but she invited me to stay in her house on a saturday and that night they were having a 50 style sock hop at her church And so I went with her to the sock hop, like, and dressed up, like, in her mom's old clothes. That place seems like it's going to be just ripe with necking and (laughs) uh, heavy petting. A lot of uh, beauty school dropouts just walking around. Uh, Grease reference. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Um, But the next day I went to church with her, and uh, because I was new to, like, this Baptist church, whatever one she went to, they gave me, like, a welcome packet, and it had, Mm -hmm. like, inside of it, like, a... Like a poster of like that you could hang on your wall, I guess, for inspiration of like kids with like their true love weights, virginity pledges, stories, like testimonials, like underneath them and like a cool font. And then it came with like the little baby feet that represent like the size of like a baby's feet whenever a woman has an abortion, like the feet are fully oh, formed when they're like this big, mm-hmm. like one of those pro-life pins. And I thought you were going to say they gave a poster of genitals that were... <laughs> Uh, just <laughs> uh, diseased from sexually transmitted diseases. <laughs> they should have. A guy in my dorm, uh, my floor at Evangel, uh, printed out a bunch of diseased genitals <laughs> and posted it on the the walls of our dorm. 
was it just to gross people out or was it to it was prevent you from people, having sex? It, no, he he said, you guys are joking about STs, but there's nothing funny about it. Look at this. He was joking, but he was acting serious. And it was because people had taken uh, dry erase markers and were writing on the walls like herpes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> just wacky guys on that uh, Scott so, North floor. Can I say that's so random? <laughs> uh, in high school, we were forced to watch slideshows in health class of graphic STD shot like pictures. Seriously? Did you guys not have to do that at all? No. Graphic like genital herpes slideshows to no. sca- like scare us out of but sex. But I would willingly, when I was in high school, I had a friend, my best friend Matt, and we were one of the few people that had like halfway decent internet. In 1996. So you went to Rotten.com. Totally went to GoreGallery.com. And we would look up, like, the most diseased, depraved genital shit and then wipe the computer so my mom couldn't see it. Oh, God. Well, we thought. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) I'm just saying, I saw them, but I went seeking them out. Just anything depraved and disgusting. You can cut all this out. All right, we get it. We get it. You were cool as a teenager. Oh, I was not. I was just, like, I thought my friend was cool. And was like secretly in love with him, so I let, I let him do whatever the fuck he wanted when he came to my house. Weird. Anyway, <laughs> well, welcome any- to our children's podcast. <laughs> anyway, feminism and teens. I brought. Uh, oh wait, we haven't started yet. Let's oh, go wait, ahead. Okay, and, let's, let's go, go ahead and do that. Welcome to another episode of Are You There Pod. It's me, Jessica. It's me, Josh. And Josh, what do we do on this podcast? We are taking Amy Poehler to task for her crimes against young adult literature. And what is she, that uh, young adult novel that she did not ruined? This is something called Wine Country Junior. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Which she adapted into something for it was about uh, some senior girls on a class trip mm-hmm. to wine country. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out in Napa Valley. Uh, no, we are reading a book called Moxie. Moxie by Jennifer Matthew. I'm holding it up like in case people. Is this the see. most recent book you've ever done? It's the most contemporary novel we've ever read here. At Are You There Pod? This was a Gateway Reader Award, won a Gateway Reader Award in the 2019 2020 year, according to the sticker on the library book I have. Nice. Well, I'm trying to see if it says any awards. My copy just says Moxie is sweet, funny, and fierce. Read this and then join the fight. Amy Poehler has a little blurb. That's it. It doesn't have any awards listed. Oh, wait. Sorry. A Time Magazine Top 10 YA Book of the Year. There we go. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. yeah. And also now a Netflix original film hit from number the write, one for from the writer weeks. and director of Wine Country. And can I add this time I watched it? You know, if there's a movie, I'm usually <laughs> gonna get involved. I'm expecting you know a if there's a movie soon. in the 95 minute range. <laughs> Blake yeah, exactly. Gonna, yeah. Blake so usually, although if, this if we was were 110 doing cut, minutes, right? Oh, they should do a Snyder cut of Moxie. <laughs> you know, usually when there's media that I watch, I usually do a Coldplay parody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I 
kind of wasn't feeling great today and didn't get around to it. So, um, I don't know. Do you guys just want to like make one up on the spot or how can we parody Moxie using Coldplay? I mean, you would need to do a bikini kill style or riot girl style Coldplay song. Oh, that'd be, that's like a mashup. That's different. I mean, do you not think that Chris Martin has written just a, a very try hard feminist anthem? Oh, I'm I'm sure he has. (laughs) Yeah, it, I mean, what is the it, scientist except for? I'm sorry, it may be it may be stuck in drafts, but it's coming <laughs> on a late Coldplay album. Well, it's something that was very heavily Gwyneth influenced, and then he kind of shelved it after mm. they were done. Yeah, mm, it's probably influenced by one of the uh, number of ladies he's. Uh, I'm gonna say bedded. <laughs> <laughs> Who is yeah. he dating now? I think I remember being like, "What?" when I looked it up. Who was it? Shit. Like, look I, saw, I saw one of those recently, too, where I yeah. was like, you could do better. Well, Much I like I feel was... about, uh, what's her name? Uh, Pew. <laughs> How do you feel about who? Uh, what's her name? From Midsummer. Pew. Oh. Oh, Florence Pew. Oh. Yeah. Everyone feels that way but Florence. Chris Martin is dating Dakota Johnson. Ah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. exactly right. what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, no. These British men need to stop taking our our American actresses, stars anyway, of stars of Suits, you're, you're stars correct. of <laughs> that's, that's the Fifty Shades movie. Absolutely true. Um, if I do come up with a parody later, a song, it I will insert it right here. And wow, that, was, that was great, Blake. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I loved it. That was one of the most fun ones to make. Thank you. I thought it was pretty funny. I I want to point out that this started with, we needed more women on here to talk about this feminist book. And then then me saying, look, they are taking our women. Those American (laughs) women are our property. (laughs) Well, I think it started with me saying, I did whatever this boy that I had a crush on wanted me to do in high school. So, yeah, this is not. Do we have any theme beverages or uh, things you you can eat that are that we're partaking in. I've just I'm just sitting here with my vodka martini. So, um, Moxie, it's a theme drink for Moxie because when they go to that one Hawaiian party, they everyone's drinking. The theme the theme drink that everyone should be drinking is one bottle of champagne alone. Right. I was just, thinking that or. A can of Moxie soda. Oh yeah, right. There is yeah, a, yeah, or a bottle. I guess it tastes like I, medicine. Okay, so I I think whatever my alcohol tolerance is is not the same as a sixteen year old girl's would be. Mm-hmm. But I do not believe she would get piss vomiting drunk <laughs> off that bottle of champagne that she did not finish. Well, I kind of agree with you, but also there's a lot of factors that we have to consider. One is, what did she eat that day? Did she eat much at all? You know, maybe she didn't eat dinner right before she went out with her friends and was chugging champagne. Also, champagne is super sweet and sugary and will make you pretty sick. What is the alcohol content of? It's not that high. Is it not that high? It's like 10%. That's high when you're young, though. I mean, she was acting so drunk. I I mean, whatever. Anyway, she, she was like... She was so disrespectful to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I did not a, like it. 
I mean, she, yeah, she was very, uh, I mean, I guess her big outburst in the movie, she was sober at, and she mm-hmm. was just, the only thing she was drunk on was hating men. <laughs> yeah, that's Yeah, good. it's cool to be this, drunk yeah, on Miss Avery. There's an F-bomb in this, but we're, get, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Well, there's the only thing I the brought book. is a zine that my brother and I Ooh. made ah! called Anarchist Underground. <laughs> That's an amazing Circa title. Oh my god, that's so cool. Wow. Circa 2000, you said? Uh, wait, 2000, yeah, 2000, 2001. Did maybe. you put it in the bathroom of your high school? No, we handed them out at the 423. The 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 four two, You know what's weird? I that we didn't cross paths at the 423 because I was there a bunch. Uh, we didn't. I I didn't go that. Once I started working at the theater, I stopped going. I mean, now that I stopped going, I, I was working all the time. Ah, uh, that is the lamest thing possible. Where though. was the four two three? I think I remember four two three. Four two three. Four two three East Walnut. Yeah, East okay, Walnut. yeah. It was. You can like... still see shitty punk stickers in the window. Okay, yeah. Okay, it was kind of. Uh, was it just like a stairway? They I were, can't remember. They were. I think they were literally <laughs> squatting. Okay. There, it was a hellhole, but we saw some good punk shows there. So this is when you lived here that you made this scene, obviously. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's the content of it? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Well, the, okay, the front, it does say smash the government. <laughs> smash um, the government. <laughs> I still agree with that statement. I mean, some parts of it are little things we wrote. Some things are just like news clippings. Uh, this is a businessman reading he has bags of money, comically big bags of money. And <laughs> dollar death signs. Is, de- yeah, they do have dollar signs. Death is coming to take him. And he has a giant piece of paper on his desk that says, how to make easy money. Nice. Um, let's see. Now it's just owning a crematorium, am I right, y'all? Just piling up those COVID bodies. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, here's a section on how to charge your mohawk. Um, <laughs> here is a book list of recommended books that we. <laughs> Ooh, what do you recommend? I do not want to read these. Please, out loud. please, please. I, I want to know. Steal okay. this book. A lot of these are pretty obvious. Okay. Howard uh, Zinn. Is Howard Zinn on? Let's see. Oh, yeah. Peaceful History's on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noam Chomsky. More Noam Chomsky. Conquest of Bread by Peter Kropotkin. <laughs> yeah, no. These are just. Tolstoy, obvious things. Anyway, we also have the top 10 ways to fight back. Mm. So I'll read a few of these. Egg car dealerships. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad idea. Spray paint on numbers on credit card terminals and ATMs. Spray paint what? On on the screens, so people can't can't use them. Um, Place out of order signs on machinery. (laughs) 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 Just just if someone's coming to the construction site and it says... (laughs) Out of order, they won't use just, it. Yeah, just an out of order sign hanging up on their fucking like on the backhoe or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, guess I can't use this. Shoot, I mean, what was every... the Edward Abbey book. Oh, Monkey Wrench Gang. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Absolutely, every one of these things is just inconveniencing someone making no money. Right. I know. I, it's that's right. what it sucks. Number four in the morning, put two quarters into a USA Today machine and take all the papers, <laughs> <laughs> and then throw them in the drain. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, number five, stick gum slash glue in the, in the door locks of corporations. <laughs> of corporations. Uh, steal shopping carts. Um, 
Erase that. videotapes that blockbuster with magnets. Oh Parentheses, especially club. nationalist propaganda like the Patriot and Red Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> now, I kind of agree with that. Uh, and then piss in, news- <laughs> piss in newspaper machine. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I'd I mean, be so I mad if I reached in, If I reached in to grab a USA Today, and number one, it was empty, and number two, my hand is yeah, all of these gotten li- to like a puddle of our net piss. I'd be so mad. All of these literally only hurt poor people and yeah, low level workers. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on what corporation you're jamming gum into right. the locks of. Oh, I didn't read throw rocks through windows of corporations. Oh, okay. <laughs> if it were today, it would be like key a Tesla. Like, that would be a good one, I think. Yeah. So why are we even talking about zines? Yeah, why oh, are we talking about zines? Well, this this book we read called Moxie, and it's all about some, you know, uh, maybe a girl, maybe girls who create a zine. Be- and it's called Moxie, and those girls fight back. And that's what this is the story of. It's ladies fighting back. Ladies These girls put together, together some newsletters in this, <laughs> uh, in this book. She gets so mad when everyone calls them... Uh, Newsletters. newsletters. I I liked that as a running bit, yes. which is not in the movie. Yeah, I was going to say that's the not in the movie. Not at all. Uh, Blake, you are soon going to learn a lot of the best things mm-hmm. in this book are not in the movie. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I don't know. As we as we go through, do we just want to stop and discuss about the movie as we go? I mean, what if we go through the book and then we'll talk about the movie and what how they make it different? Or okay. will that? If you come across major differences when you're just... Well, you're going to hear them as we go. Number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. This book takes place in Texas. It is set in a town called East Rockford. Is that right? East Rockport. Sorry, Texas. And it's like a a town that's by the the Gulf. Population 6,000. Small town. They kept the name Rockport. I do remember that. I mean, you you need Rockport. (laughs) For the uh, for the vandalism yeah. later. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess let's just talk about both at the same time. Yeah. Right? Well, it's just kind of interesting, like, how the movie decides to start versus the book, where the book starts with, like, the kids in school, and the movie decides, whoever wrote this script, I just want to have a sit-down with them. And I know, look, I know art is hard, <laughs> and writing is hard, but this is a pretty decent book to work an adaptation from. Like, there's nothing about this that I think should have been changed, unless there were maybe COVID. Was this film during COVID? It was. There were too many big crowd scenes. It yeah. Feels like. no. Okay. Well, maybe there were some COVID limitations at some point. I don't know. Uh, you don't need COVID for that dream sequence to. Yes, be there is. <laughs> there's a dream sequence that is thrown into the movie where the main character Vivian in a dream is running or something in these very beautiful Pacific Northwest forests and something's happened. Is it out near wine country perhaps? (laughs) Maybe. And something happens and she tries to make a sound and tries to scream and nothing comes out. She has no voice. So uh, I think I've talked before about having uh, taken some semiotics classes and in college and studied, uh, metaphor and things like that what could that mean so <laughs> um, so we're we're opening no I way mean, of knowing actually yeah. i don't think it, i don't think it means anything i think it was just random i mean i i don't know maybe we can piece together what a young woman running and finding 
she has no voice and cannot scream could possibly mean. Yeah, that ugh. anyway. But that's not in the book at all? No. Okay. No. That's not a running theme at all in the book. Although she does talk about like how she's a ween a lot of the times and We'll talk about that when we get to it. But basically, the book starts out with the kids in school. And the main incident that kind of starts it is they're in English class. The teacher, unlike the goofy, (laughs) funny Ike Barinholtz teacher in the movie, is like a, I don't know, like a retired military teacher with like a crew cut who's just kind of a dick and doesn't care. And he should be a history teacher. Or, yeah, history or yeah, like a... my experience. Although yeah. we did have coaches in Marshfield that taught English. I do remember a coach who taught English. I don't think we had that. Yeah. I will say, well, I guess it is a really small town mm-hmm. in the book, too. Yeah. Marshfield was like 4,000 people. So we did... A lot of coaches did like triple duty. So I had a, I had a coach who taught like my civics course, my psychology course, same person, and sociology. He taught all three of those. And then I had another coach who taught english and another coach who also taught like a history civics course so i guess they hang out in those areas maybe we had a coach who taught psychology and sociology and shit and uh bartended at night uh, and he showed movies a lot instead of <laughs> instead of teaching i mean so did my coach we watched sylvia we the watched sally field like made for tv movie I don't know. I remember you don't we, know it? we watched The Breakfast Club. That was pretty tight. That's tight. But no, it's like a famous made-for-TV movie about Sylvia who Never was... Oh, 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 oh. Okay, like the yeah, woman yeah. who had schizophrenia mean, and had like multiple personalities. Oh, Sybil. Oh, uh, Shit. Yeah. Yes. I thought you meant the Gwyneth Paltrow no, Sylvia Plath sorry. movie. Oh, I was crap. like, how how young are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a Zoomer. <laughs> well, oh, Jess is 25. Like, <laughs> guys robbing the cradle over here. Uh... Sorry, Sybil. Jesus, Jessica. Come on. No. Uh, anyway, I haven't thought about that in a long time. But yes, we had to watch Sybil over the course of like a week because it's like a four hour. I, I think it was like a a two night event made for TV movie, maybe like more like a mini series kind of thing. Anyway, that's what I did in that class. I learned a lot. <laughs> One time when I was substituting, I think I've said this before, I had to show a Paul Dano movie where he becomes a... a it's called like father at 15 but (laughs) because it was at kickapoo and the they have an eight period class i had to show the first 40 minutes of this movie seven times that day (laughs) oh god god and and i never finished watching dad at 15 or whatever have you ever seen 15 and pregnant sorry kirsten dunst is this related to kirsten dunst i think they did show this one at the alamo too patreon Ooh. Special. Oh, yeah. 15 and pregnant. Anyway. We should just do just after saying. school specials. <laughs> I mean. As bonuses. I don't know. We tried to watch that Jodie Foster baseball one, and I fell asleep because it was boring. I didn't. It rocked. Ugh, I don't care about uh, sports. Paul Dano and uh, Kirsten Dunn should have just been together, and they could have been a 15-year-old couple with exactly. two kids. Exactly. 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 Maybe that's, that's what you need to do. You need to pair up the, <laughs> with another the, young the, father, the dad at fifteen, with the yeah. mom at fifteen, and then everything's fine. Switching the setting does a lot of things, and none of them help. None, because being in so this school is mm-hmm. kind of a stereotypical Texas football school, right? Mm-hmm. Where 
it's kind of built into our understanding that in Texas, there are these small towns like a Friday Night Lights. Exactly. Buddy yeah. Garrity is going to shut down the town and the dealership because we're all going to watch the Dillon Panthers. Yes. And that's what this town is like. And it's, when you change yes. that and put it out, where is it set? I just generically California or Oregon. No, it's in the Pacific it's, Northwest. It's Oregon. It's Oregon. I mean. the, the, Vivian actually has a PNW flag in her room. So yeah, okay. it's the Pacific Northwest. The okay. only thing Oregon. I can think is that it's like this is where like the Kathleen Hanna and all that, that whole scene originated. Right. Yeah. But, but like, it originated in like the the big like Olympia, Washington. Yeah. And yeah, that, so that area. But what yeah. does it gain from moving it to Nothing. Pacno? I mean, maybe maybe uh, tax credits for your shooting, but, <laughs> but, they, but they probably shot it in Georgia. Yeah, well, it's whole, absolutely Georgia. Probably. The whole thing, though, is her mother, which this is all like in the second chapter of the book, but her mother was raised in the same shitty, small, you know, Texas football town and was really into somehow got into like riot girl culture. And as I mean, soon Chris as she Vic- graduated, ran away to Portland, Oregon to become part of that, the riot girl scene. Joined Slater Kenny. Her mom is Carrie Brownstein. <laughs> People don't know. <laughs> Amy Poehler does wear a Slater Kenny shirt in one scene, I think. In Dillon, Texas, Landry plays in uh, uh, Chris, Christa Victorious or whatever they're called. And th- they're kind of, uh, th- they're rock. Mm. Uh Sorry, I'm trying to think about. Hey, do you know my friends that live in Austin took us to the strip club that features in Varsity Blues and Wait, Friday what? Night Lights? <laughs> I remember. Okay, I remember the club, but yes. you didn't tell me that part. No, they did. That was the whole part of the appeal. They're like, "Hey, we were all bored one night," and they're like, "Hey, do you guys want to come with us to the strip club that was featured in Varsity Blues and Friday Night Lights?" And they're like, "It's actually a good strip club." And uh, we're like, "Yeah, okay." I and like that Blake is like, yeah, I know all the uh, movie strip clubs. I, he I, knows the titty twister from, from Dust Till Dawn. That that club did make ours here in Springfield look like utter dog shit. Like, <laughs> they, already, they already do look like dog shit. But it's weird to go to a place and be like, oh, this is what a good one looks like. Yes. And I remember, like, you actually have people who sit in what Blake and I always called perv row, which is probably not <laughs> the best thing to call it, but like the front, you know, the first uh, the, the chairs right that align the, the stage. Yep. And you actually had people who were really there tipping the dancers well, yeah, yeah. not just sitting there leering at them, you know, well, like here. Well, the strippers were good, but I still say. If you're going to leer at my body, you're going to pay me. <laughs> well, obviously, And yeah. if you're on Perv Row, you got to pay up. You yeah. can't just sit there for free. Oh, yeah. No. But luckily, the, the people at this bar were tipping generously, so. Can you eat your steak on Perv Row? I say yes, as long as you're tipping well. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I think pretty much anything goes if you're tipping well. <laughs> <laughs> I think many a man has gotten in a lot of trouble at at strip clubs for saying anything goes when you're tipping well. God. Uh. <laughs> Shit. Anyway, another thing. Anyway, the whole thing is like her mom goes and discovers herself and gets to bond with this group of women who she feels like are really mattering. White women. White women. Okay. Point. Yes. But her... Um, partner husband the father of vivian dies in a motorcycle accident and she 
takes her daughter and moves back to her hometown so she can live with her parents and go back to school to support her daughter. And she ends up like buying a house next door to her parents and, you know, working and raising her daughter by herself. And that's like the whole the whole kind of I mean, that's just kind of lost. Well, I feel like all that is lost whenever you just. Yeah, it is. But And also, I think they keep the dad alive in the movie because he's, I, he's estranged. He's estranged, but there's a scene where out of nowhere, for no reason, I don't think he's been alluded to at this point. Right. He is the not, main he character is, is just crying, and she says, why won't my dad come see me? Why doesn't he want to see me? And I'm like, wait, her dad's alive in this movie? Like She has a deadbeat dad, presumably. But why does that even matter? Like They uh, just introduce it in that one scene when she's crying, and it never comes back again. That's the only time it's addressed. I think maybe they didn't want to deal with the death aspect for some reason, or I have no clue, actually. I guess. I guess they're I mean, trying it, to make her look really it, fucked up and sad. You could have just never referred I would never, to the dad at all. I right, know. Right. You could just infer that obviously the mom is dating someone and is a single, so the dad's out of the picture. And it's, I honestly would not think anything about it, even if it wasn't ever alluded to, because I come from you know, a single parent household. So it wouldn't seem, honestly, it would seem normal to me to not have a dad in the, in the movie. Anyway. When does that scene come in the movie? How close is it to that dinner scene with? It's right uh, after the dinner scene. Okay. Because it's when she yells, fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> right. Out of nowhere. And then storms to her room and Amy Poehler follows her and is like, what is right, going right, on? Right. And she's just screaming. Right. So and that comes out then. That that this is where the movie I think goes the most wrong in making her anger in that scene, not in that scene, in that section of the movie, in the book. Her ang- What's the guy's name again? Acosta. Mitchell. Oh no, Seth. Seth Acosta. Seth. Yeah. Seth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Where he never does anything wrong in the movie, right? Not is, really. Is this the himbo? Yes. Yeah. Blake called him the himbo throughout the movie. He never does anything wrong. But in the book... He's okay, let's shitty. just go through it. Okay, so anyway, it starts out when they're at school. And instead of like in the film, it starts out with a major incident, um, which is the list of girls. In the book, what happens is the boys just kind of yell shitty things whenever girls speak up in class. It's, it's not so... Um, it's not such a huge event. It's just just uh, like microaggressions. You know what yeah. I mean? There like it's go. just which is usually how all L- these things little things, little things start build and build up. up. Right. So, yeah. It's a, it's it's not opening with a, an assault essentially. You know what I mean? It's yes. just uh, in some ways the movie was more over the top with the behavior, and in other ways it wasn't. Like when he hawks that loogie, like. <laughs> Blake was oh, like, what? Did you was, buy that? I hated no. that, man. That seemed out of character for the way that these kinds of teen boys typically behave. I didn't need to see that. Yeah. No, it it did seem totally out of character. For, this character is an asshole. Like, I'm not trying to, right, like, right. defend him. But it doesn't seem like that would be something that he would do. Um, right. But, I mean, so basically the boys are just, whenever a girl speaks up in class, they just yell, make me a sandwich. And they think it's funny. Is this like a ha, meme ha, at their ha. school? It's just what these jock dummies do in their school. And the girls tend to, at least Vivian, the main character, tends to just not speak up in class. Because they don't want to have a guy say that when they speak up. But there's a new girl in school named Lucy who does that. And then 
I think it's Mitchell who yells, make me a sandwich. And she sticks up for herself, um, which kind of impresses the main character who's like, oh, that that bit's not in the movie at all. Make me a sandwich. Right. Right. Instead, in the movie, they're doing the the hot list or the like who's got the they best call it right. March Madness. They're in ranking, the book. Yeah. ranking all best ass and so uh, forth on, on day one of school. <laughs> Yeah, like, we mean, haven't had a chance to check out the new yeah. titties. What you know they, what I mean? <laughs> what are they? Basing we don't know who. Like, on. if Biggins have gotten bigger, or oh, oh God. man, how does here's she stand the other, up for herself? Here's the I other thing that annoyed just, me. Like, excuse no. me, like that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Like what the other thing, say? the other thing that annoyed me about the framing of the movie, and it doesn't really come back to this, but you see this tons in lazy teen movies. They frame it around a college essay. Yes. So mm. that doesn't happen in the book, but they frame it around this college scholarship, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that what you're talking about? That right. it ends up like Mitchell and Kira are competing for this scholarship money. Um, they're both like top athletes. He's like no, the school court. Oh, that's different than the thing that she's writing. She's like working on an essay, like a oh, college essay. Yeah, that's right. It's an admissions thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I was thinking about the no, college no, 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 scholarship no. and yeah. I got all mixed up. Okay. Right. So you see this a ton in lazy voiceover narration. <laughs> I watch way too many teen movies, basically, is what I'm admitting. But you constantly see it. And I hate it. It's the worst trope. And it's the hey, Josh, easiest. Did you ever yeah. have a college admission you had to fill out that made you do anything like that? Because I did. I, re- I don't even remember if I wrote an essay. I don't, I don't remember think either. I did either. But honestly, I, w- I applied to like three schools, and two of them I knew I had no. Well, one of them, I was like, there's no way I would ever get into, like, Tulane University, I think, was where I sent it. But uh, I uh, sent to KU Tulane and MSU, and obviously I went to MSU. M- like, yeah. where else am I going to go? I didn't apply many places. MSU is just like, yeah, you're in, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Evangel just won my fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it'll be MSU. It's, like, right next door. It's just easier. Look, it's one of those, here's here's how much you work you need to put into the admissions essay to get to MSU. Look around the campus. See the dumb shits that go there. <laughs> like, <laughs> the dumbest person you know that goes there, mm-hmm. be like, oh, if they got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my first college roommate was let in on, like, a very, well, I had two, uh, but she was let in on, like, a very strict, like, um, I don't, it wasn't a scholarship, but, like, uh, if she did not maintain like above a 2.5 GPA for the first semester, that she would be kicked out of school. Like they would just automatically sus- academically suspend her and kick yeah. her out. Um, and that's just after one semester. And she also did take like two or three IDS courses to help her learn how to study. So I'm guessing her GPA was bad anyway from high school. And she had to get all these letters of recommendation. Any- she flunked out at semester. But yeah, when you think about like they will let – Colleges, unless it's like an Ivy League school, they'll pretty much let anyone in. And even if it's Ivy League, if your parents have money, you're probably going to get in. Like, no Yeah, offense. so if you're a kid so. listening to this, don't work on your essay. No. Who Look, cares? Don't, after you get accepted, you can get by with C's in high school. It doesn't matter. Not at all, guys. Who also, cares? don't go to college. No, it's, it's a waste. waste of money. Just yeah. work at Look, Starbucks. Just watch YouTube videos. You just make YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. Just get a TikTok. Just do a podcast that's successful. Look, Don't do a podcast. I'm. 
I'm the most successful person in the world, and it's all thanks to podcasting. All right. Okay. Any, anyway, so I just want to say the movie one. It does my two least favorite things in a row. Starts with the shitty dream sequence, then goes right into voiceover narration yeah. about writing a college essay. Yeah. Ugh, I forgot all about that part. I guess I blocked it out because I hate and it. And none of it's in the book. Yes. Um. So anyway, one night while putting away laundry, uh, Vivian comes across a shoebox that she had kind of forgotten that her mom had that is labeled My Misspent Youth. In the movie, it's a gigantic suitcase. <laughs> But in the in the book, it's like a little shoebox. And she grabs it and goes through it. And she remembers, oh, it has like all these cool photos and mixtapes and these zines and flyers from like when her mom lived in Portland. And she thinks about like her mom's high school rebelliousness. And she goes to have dinner with her grandparents. And they just keep telling her stories about her mom. And they describe her mom as having more than her necessary share of moxie. Hmm. Not where we get the word moxie in the movie. Josh, where do we get the word moxie in the movie? From Marsha Gay Harden, the worst woman in the world. <laughs> and uh, wait a second. I don't think I set this up properly. But in the book, we talked about Mitchell. Mitchell Wilson. He's the high school quarterback star high school kid. His dad is the principal. Principal Wilson. In the movie, for some reason... They have disassociated the relationship, so it's not like a father and his son. Instead, it is uh, Marsha Gay Harden and then just a kid. Like I think this goes to show – or what What this could work with is that women can be part of the patriarchy. That was what too. I was thinking was that yeah. – the Blake was like, no, it's like a generational thing. And I was like, I think it's more saying that women can just – yeah. Also Sometimes work with men are the good ones and women are the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. Women also uh, are indoctrinated into patriarchal structures and have to work within them too. Right. Yeah. So I think that's this is the higher, more women guards. Marsha Gay Arden is the uh, female uh, Guantanamo guard. Yes. <laughs> She's kind of a, g- a girl boss in the story. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. No. Exa- <laughs> but yeah. No. I, I. I. I'm actually okay with that change because I think that's the point it could be making although her character's still a mess yeah but uh also taking it away from it being a father and son that may be a bit too but i also think that goes back to the small town yeah yeah. the small town never mind yeah i was gonna say of course it would be that corrupt yeah Mm -hmm. so (laughs) and um you know after dinner with her grandparents and hearing to or sorry, hearing her grandparents just described her like, hey, we know you'll never get in trouble, Vivian. You're dutiful and good. Like, you're not rebellious like your mother. She goes home and she listens to... She puts to- on a Bratmobile album. <laughs> well, actually, it's Rebel Girl. By a band <laughs> named Bikini Kill. And I do kind of like how, like, this young girl character describes it in the book. Because she just talks about, like... um. Hold on, I'm trying to... Like, it starts with a pounding drumbeat that's so strong and angry that I think if I listen to it loud enough, I might fly off the bed. But the best part is when the lead singer starts singing and her voice shoots out of her gut like a rocket launching. Anyway, I do like the way that she describes, like, listening to that music because I remember, like, listening to certain bands when I was a kid and just feeling like my mind was just blown. I think think for the buy-in for the book and the movie... You have to 
sell the the reader or the viewer on um, the excitement of the music and or the and the zines. Mm-hmm. And I think the the book does a good job of both. The movie does an okay job with the music. The zines not really. <laughs> It really just briefly like shows the zines, um, and I do remember there was a zine that was called Veronica Lodge, and I got really excited about it. <laughs> and I was like, I love that zine name, and I want to start a band called Veronica Lodge because I just thought, why haven't I never thought of that before? Because that's brilliant. Do you know what that reference is, Josh? Copyright uh, Archie my Comics. My so-called life. It's Archie Comics. It's Veronica Lodge. <laughs> my is the, is oh, okay. Veronica and Betty and Veronica. Okay, um, so. Um, because this whole town is football, they always have big pep rallies. And when she goes to a pep rally with her best friend, Claudia, she sees a new boy. How does she know he's new? Because he doesn't look like all the other dumb boys. He's cute. This is what I also think they really fuck up in the movie. Because instead of it being a new boy, Seth is a guy that she's known all her life who suddenly got hot like over yeah. the summer. <laughs> right? Like filled out... In- in that up. first uh-huh. scene, she doesn't recognize him. Yeah. Like, she looks at him and then has to do a double take because she's like, are you Seth? Stupid. Yeah. yeah. I, also, no one gets that unrecognizable. But Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the whole thing is, like, whenever you're in a small town, when a new person, girl or boy, shows up, they are the hottest commodity on campus. Yeah. And also, they're mysterious to you because you've known all these other shitheads since you were in kindergarten, you know, but the, the new the only, kid shows up and you're just like, I will magical. say having joined a lot of Christian schools, uh, where I was the new kid that never happened. Okay. For me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it did. And you just didn't know because no, they just, they had no interest in me. So that could be a me problem. You have to be a real himbo yeah. stud. So, I will say oh. that when I was a, when I transferred mid-year through junior year to the big high school, but I was punk rock, it did work. And people were interested in me. Because, nice. Yeah. Well, you stood out. Yeah. Yeah, I had a swing and udders shirt on <laughs> and plaid pants. I saw the swing and udders with no effects. It was cool. You were constantly being sent home to change clothes. <laughs> like some other characters. Um, no, I didn't because I was flat-chested. <laughs> <laughs> Is it wear all the spaghetti straps you want, Josh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, while at the pep rally, this is another like microaggression that all these jocks do. So the, the, the football players are running out when they're introduced. And one of them, Jason Garza, is wearing a T-shirt that says, Great Legs, When Do They Open? Oh, my God. And he purposely... I mean, these... These guys are loaded up with T-shirts from the T-shirt uh, shop on, there's at another... Daytona, Daytona Beach. <laughs> there's another one. Do they have any Big Johnsons? Uh... <laughs> no, These I guys mean, rolled is... into the Jersey Shore and were like, give me one of everything. Hold on. What is the other T-shirt? Co-ed um, naked. No, it was. It had like an arrow that pointed down at his junk. Hold on. That's uh, what they it said. said a breathalyzer test below here. Yeah, like free breathalyzer <laughs> yeah. test or something. It said the man points up to his face. The legend <laughs> points down to his junk. So, uh, Blake, when the movie Tomcats came out, they sent promotional shirts, the man, the legend. Are and, you kidding me? And uh, you can guess which movie theater manager was over the moon to Why? have gotten that. How many did they send? I never saw one. The only person I know that had one was Brian. Oh Tomcats was the movie where we all canceled Jerry Cantrell, right? 
or not Jerry Cantrell. What the Jerry fuck is O'Connell? that? Jerry O'Connell. God, Jerry Cantrell's an Alpha. Did, did we cancel him for it? Uh, I don't think. I don't we weren't canceling folks. Back I then. canceled him in my <laughs> fucking heart and head. I was like, that movie looks like shit, and he's a shitty person for making it. And I, I don't think we that. liked him before then. Oh, were you a Sliders fan? Oh no, I didn't watch that. What was he in where he kind of came back? Was it Sliders? I thought he was in a different. Oh no, it was Jerry Maguire. He played, oh yeah, he played uh, the football player. Anyway. He played Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who is actually canceled in real life. Is he? Yeah. Remember when he played OJ? <laughs> and uh, now the juice is out just having fun and now the Cuba. juice is uncanceled and yeah, Cuba is canceled. Life is fucking weird, y'all. So um after she sees Jason Garza uh kind of like gyrate like right near the new girl Lucy's face, uh when asked if she'll go to the football game that night, Vivian lies and says she feels sick because she doesn't want to have to go. And that night she just kind of hangs out at home and watches the punk singer, I'm guessing, because she says it's a documentary about Kathleen. Right. Yeah. By the way, that is no longer streaming free on Netflix. And I got pissed about it because I was going to rewatch it this morning. And now you have to pay for it on fucking Amazon to watch it. Well, she watched it on YouTube. Didn't she have the book? (laughs) Oh, maybe she did. Maybe I should have pulled up YouTube. Illegally uploaded. I thought it was like a Netflix original or something. I did too. So I thought I would... Anyway, it seemed it would be perfect synergy to have the punk singer mm-hmm. and Moxie on Netflix, but I guess they're not the same thing. Yeah, I guess not. So um, that night, after watching uh, the punk singer, she's inspired to, and based upon the events of the past couple weeks at school, she decides to make a zine and calls it Moxie. And in it, she writes like, if you know, hold on. Actually. Should we tell the listeners what a zine is what if like a uh zoomer it's like a newsletter it is like like an email forward it's like a blog look it's a blog (laughs) that you make at kinko's basically yeah and it has cop like cut and paste pictures and Mm -hmm. it's a diy magazine with Mm -hmm. where you make every page look like it's a ransom note yeah and they're low quality yeah and so she just says like are you tired of a certain group of male students telling you to make me a sandwich when you voice your opinion in class are you tired of the football team getting tons of attention and getting away with what anything they want? Are you tired of gross comments and disgusting T-shirts? The girls of Moxie are tired too. And are these then, supposed to be like pages the, of the yes. zine? In the yeah. yeah, I'll say the first issue was pretty weak. Not um, not her best work, <laughs> but she's new. She's new at it. She's new at it, and she says if the words you've read make sense to you, draw some hearts and stars on your hands before school next Friday, October fifth, so you can find girls who feel like you. And pretty. Pretty bad call to action, but you need some kind of call to action so you can find girls that look like you. Exactly. Or so, feel like you. Feel like you. And so she uh, gets to school early and leaves, you know, copies of the Moxie in the girls' bathrooms, and she's scared to do it the whole time. And then as she's in school that day, she just kind of listens to like her friends' reactions um, because they're like, "Hey, have you seen this?" And kind of passing the zine around, and. Um, they talk about the hearts and stars, and they're like, who's going to do that? Like, what's the point? And, and Claudia's like, it's stupid for babies. She <laughs> <laughs> doesn't exactly say that, but that's the that's That's the, the gist, yeah. yeah. And so she's in English class and notices that Lucy is carrying a copy in. She's the new girl. And who walks into her English class? But Seth, the new boy. And he's like, was just assigned to this class and sits down. 
And so in his she, Sonic Youth shirt. Yeah, looking like a snack. He didn't have a Sonic Youth shirt in the movie. The Seth in the book is way cooler than Seth Man. in the movie. And also has kind of a personality. <laughs> I mean, Seth in the movie is cute Look, and all. Being hot is a personality. <laughs> Just an empty being himbo hot in the movie. And also a liar. You. He's a liar in that movie. When he's like, listen, I don't want to do it like right before a football uh, game. I don't want to rush this. I want to make it special. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Liar. So anyway, um, Lucy has her copy of Moxie on her desk and Mitchell gets up and grabs it and reads it out loud and makes fun of it and then throws it away. And after class, Vivian's like, hey, I have an extra copy and gives it to Lucy. And no one's like, hey, why are you carrying around extra copies of this zine that's anonymously distributed? But whatever. So um, later on that week, she goes to the grocery store with her mom. And this is where she meets Republican John. Um, he works with her mother. He's a doctor there. And they have kind of like this, like, not really a meet cute because they work together, but a meet They run cute. into each other. Yes. And Vivian doesn't know about this chucklehead. Yes. And so they're kind of like awkwardly flirting and then they leave. And as they leave, Vivian notices that he has a DeLobe bumper sticker on his car, who was a uh, mayoral Republican candidate. And she points it out to her mom because she she obviously senses like the flirtation between them. And she's like, Mom, he's a Republican. And her mom's like, the lobe was a moderate, really. And then <laughs> this is a woman who was a riot girl, by the exactly. way. Exactly. What, what do you think? you're? She's a centrist now. She she got really. <laughs> this annoying. actually sounds pretty um on par for Gen X and boomers. She's portrayed so. as super boring and normie. And <laughs> that's on par for okay. Older Gen Xers and boomers, I want to say. Uh, not all, sorry. Um, and then she points out to her daughter that at least Republican John is pro-marriage equality, which that always fucking gets me. <laughs> when someone's like, yeah, they're Republican, but you know what? Hey, They're pro-gay marriage. They believe that gays are people, so. <laughs> they, they will let homeless gay people marry <laughs> someone. But. Like, there is no way that anyone, and I'm sorry, Okay, I don't want to get political, but <laughs> I just honestly feel like there's no way that anyone can be a a feeling person who feels for humanity and also align with any form of a conservative party. No I don't want to get political, uh, look, but, but if you voted for Mitt Romney, you do not have you're... a soul. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, I mean... I just I always I always have a problem with people who say I'm fiscally conservative, <laughs> but not socially, you... but then they vote for the person uh, who was like... Look, if it's a line. It's a line humans? that you that you say because so you can still uh, be socially acceptable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because uh, you don't want to openly say I'm a racist and I hate gay people. Right. What you say is I I'm fiscally to, conservative. I want to be liked, but I don't want to be taxed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the whole libertarian thing is just like a, a socially acceptable code word for far right winger now. I, I, I feel like it's not socially acceptable to be libertarian anymore. I, it's well, definitely not. And a lot of them now. It's uh, a watered down version. Maybe they either I mean, now you're just an Elon Musk fan. Yeah, now. Or they call themselves like socialist libertarians. Okay. That doesn't. Whatever. Y you tell them that. Anyway, yeah. I'm not going to uh, get no, into I'm it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to totally I don't want to get political, it. but... I don't, don't want to get hey, political, but... I don't want to go off on a rant, but... <laughs> we're like, listen, we're reading a very political book, it so is. I can go it off is. on it. You know what? And don't tell me you're fiscally conservative, but socially liberal. If anybody, if anybody starts 
a sentence and says, I'm fiscally, just cut them off there. It's done. You're done. You're done. You're done. I don't care about fiscal anything. Right. Money isn't real. Right. <laughs> Who cares? Anyway, back to our book. So uh, what I do like are the codes for liberal and conservative in the movie, because in the movie, it's like Amy Poehler wears like a Sleater Kinney shirt and has an NPR tote bag hanging up. And we're like, oh, so she's like liberal. <laughs> Lib. And then yeah. like Her the boyfriend bag. has like an American flag sticker. On right. His that's, they, they replace any directly political stuff right. as far as that relationship goes with there's not really any reason to dislike the guy. No. In the movie at all. No. But, and, but when you have a flag. But if a guy pulled up in a Hummer covered with Trump stickers, I'd be pissed as fuck if my mom was dating that guy. I'd right. pull a Monica yeah. and I would yell, I hate Republican John. Republican John is ugly in <laughs> but, my room for hours and hours. That's a, that's a callback to a real life thing. Go uh, Listen to old episodes. It's weird that, though, just having an American flag does say <laughs> something. Like, you know. You know. You know what they're about. I will. Well, instead of an American flag, he should buy one of those Joe Biden sucks flags because you can you could be coming from the left with that. <laughs> it could be either way. True, either way. What it, like, fuck, <laughs> this fuck is Joe the Biden. opinion we can all agree on. Joe Biden <laughs> and sucks. Fuck, fuck you for voting for him, that one. Uh, so um, the day comes when it's the Friday where you're supposed to have your hearts or stars and Vivian shows up at school and she's super nervous and she doesn't see anyone that um, Elsa has stars or hearts on their hands that she has painted on hers. And so she gets anxious about it and goes in the bathroom and starts to scrub it off when she mm. sees a girl come out of the stall and it's her old friend Kira and Kira has hearts and stars on her hands and she's like impressed by that um that Kira she's like oh okay then it's cool. someone else is doing her thing yes so that I guess makes her feel more comfortable to go out and she doesn't wash off her hearts and stars, which would have been hard anyway because it was Sharpie. So you would have still had right. remnants on your hand for a day or two. It's not coming so, off. Yeah, no. And so yeah, all we've, day all, she... we've all come home. <laughs> we had to go to work the next day after going to the club. Big old those, X's. Those X's, yeah. Yep. So uh, she keeps throwing people off her trail all day when people are like, so who do you think organized Moxie? And she's, you know, all day long just keeps throwing people off. Um. And at first she feels kind of like a wiener. And then she justifies her decision by saying, well, it keeps my identity secret because riot girls try not to have a leader. And they wanted the movement to be one where everyone had an equal voice. But she's also, she admits in the book, afraid that someone cool like Kira could just take it over and do it better than her. <laughs> so that's, I guess, why, I don't, I don't know, that's just a little thing that she added in there. So... Um, and then all day long, she starts seeing people with decorated hands and sitting in English class. Seth walks in late and she looks at his hands. And guess what? He's got hearts and stars on his hands. Folks, we have a woke bay on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> Get the sirens out. Woke ass king. Yeah. yeah. So um, Lucy starts hanging out with Claudia and Vivian and tells them about herself, how she used to live in Houston, and she was in a club called GRIT, which stands for Girls Respecting and Inspiring Themselves, and it was a feminist club. And um, that kind of leads to later on Claudia and uh, 
Vivian having like the feminist talk where Claudia's like, I just don't like that word. I like humanist oh, or brother. You know, I think we're just all equal. Here come the libertarians again. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's just kind of that bullshit talk from Claudia about the word feminist. And by the way, this was written in what, 2017? I think. Oh, was it? Wasn't feminism cool again at this point? Like, I thought when yeah. Beyonce stood in front of the feminist sign right. that, but maybe it's also a small Texas town, so probably not. I was trying to, um, yeah, and I mean, culturally, this would impose Trump, so yeah. Um, does this use the word feminazi at any point? Okay, and I meant to talk about this as the whole would, intro to the book. Yes, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually one of my the things I wanted to kind of bring up at some point. But the uh, author, Jennifer Matthew, writes, um, for all the teenage women fighting the good fight and for my 12th grade current topics teacher for calling me a feminazi in front of the entire class. You insulted me, but you also sparked my interest in feminism. So really, the joke is on you. Revenge is best served cold, you jerk. Yeah. (laughs) So when I read that, it made me think I was absolutely familiar with the term feminazi before I'd ever heard feminist. I the the context my uncle. Well, we I just heard Limbaugh with yeah. I was going to say you listened to a lot of Rush. Well, my uncle was a big Limbaugh fan, and he would literally call my mom like a feminazi, and I'm like, my mom is like, like I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, But I knew it was bad. You knew it was was a bad bad. thing, and it was Mm -hmm. these uppity women. Mm -hmm. And I was also called like. In high school, I was called feminazi, and I think we talked about this before, but like called a dyke and right. um, just called all kinds of things because I I don't think I ever actually said I was feminist, but obviously like you could – maybe I just gave off that uh, vibe. I had vibes <laughs> in high school. I had vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think people use that term anymore. They probably just say – like bitch or whatever you know what i mean probably like they're probably cunt they're probably yeah, just like yeah. well uh doesn't someone say that in here and no it's in the movie version at the very beginning whenever they are listing the girls lucy makes the oh, list right, and right. they call she her would, like the they, biggest c word yeah it's a yeah. new award this year yeah brand new award biggest c but word did she How did done they know? At that i thought point. she was new she that, had i think already stood up for herself in class uh but it okay. wasn't about what does she get mad at him about Oh, they're arguing over the Great Gatsby. It's a big uh. thing, remember? And yeah, she's like, okay, "Why yeah, are yeah. we still reading like these books by old dead white men? If we really want to, you know, talk about the American dream, we should be reading books by immigrants and by, you know, uh, working." And cl- Patrick Schwarzenegger, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who has no interest in class, uh, you know, like normally. Has to defend uh, <laughs> defend uh, defend the Great Gatsby's honor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As a, a fellow white, dude. white man, yeah, yeah. But also, I thought it was so funny whenever I was like, "Okay, that kid looks way too old to be playing a high schooler," and so I had to look him up. And then I was like, "Holy shit! Not only is he twenty seven, but it's a Schwarzenegger." Like right. I died, I died, Josh. I was like, I mean, and what better embodies the American dream than to have a immigrant father mm-hmm. make it big and mm-hmm. then to be a nepotism hire in in hollywood mm-hmm. or get, <laughs> achieve success through nepotism yeah exactly that well, is your father dream. was also a political and, <laughs> uh a governor of the- your father was fiscally conservative and socially liberal <laughs> and and a serial sexual harasser as i well. mean that is that he was being God. uh, God. uh liberal 
<laughs> he was liberal with the uh, well, liberal with his hands. Yeah, just like <laughs> just just like god. President Clinton. Oh god, and President Biden. Yeah, that's right. Jesus. Oh no, we're canceled just for jokes. Oh god. Okay, I'm sorry. This is too much tonight. Okay, so anyway, um, they invite Lucy to the football game, and Mom is like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to go to the game with Republican John um, because he's also a doctor for the football team." And that's another like strike on him that Vivian's yeah, like, which, "Oh, fuck which is, that guy." And after we're going to the cozy corner, <laughs> that, the bar, the local bar is called the cozy corner. Like that sounds like a cute little coffee yeah, shop, not like up. a nice little, not like a fun roadhouse, you know. So, um, John is coming around more at one point. He pisses. This is another thing that pisses Vivian off at him. And I can kind of see it, but he shows up at the house. She meets him like for the first time as her mom's boyfriend, I think. And, um, he's like, Oh, I brought that Faulkner book. I know you said you hate Faulkner, but I think you'll like this book. And that pisses Vivian off. And she brings it up like several times throughout the book. Like the guy who made my mom read Faulkner when he hey. knew that she Hey, maybe him. you'll like the Dharma bums, Jessica. You should give <laughs> this one a shot. You might not have liked On the Road, but this Kerouac. Read his read his haikus. Maybe <laughs> maybe that will work on your lady brain. And another thing that I don't <clears throat> like in the movie, like she has a lot of reasons not to like John in the book mm-hmm. because she is right. He is doing the annoying man thing of yeah. You will like this thing, I swear. Listen, Here I know you hated um, Absalom, Absalom, but have you read As have I Have you dying? read The Rivers? <laughs> anyway. um, but in the movie, she's kind of being a brat the whole time. Like, she puts her mom on blast when she's like, uh, what is your voice? Why are you talking like that? Oh, yeah, like when her mom is like has him over for like a dinner date and kind of maybe like has a flirty voice or like, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. She's like, you made salad. kind of like code switches like, a little bit. All you like is frozen <clears throat> pizza. Why'd you make a salad? Mom, yeah. mom, you're just a lazy slug who puts in no effort. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you wearing makeup? Why are you <laughs> putting on airs? Just, just so you know. Why are you wearing a bra tonight, mom? What the fuck? <laughs> she always eats trash. Just so you know, when you're not around, John, she's total trash. Literally just like a raccoon going through the garbage. Okay, one thing that we do miss in the translation from book to movie is she is raised next door to her grandparents and goes to their home a lot for dinner. And they had this quirky, cute grandparent affectation where they love like Stouffer's frozen meals. So they're always like, she's always talking about like the, the Stouffer's enchiladas or the Stouffer's, meatloaf or whatever that her grandma makes do you not remember that like no you know i remember yeah yeah or like her grandma's always yelling at will of fortune or something like yeah all those cute affectations anything that was eccentric in the book is Mm -hmm. taken out or any kind of idiosync (laughs) idiosyncrasy yeah thank you did i say that right okay no yeah um is is taken out i'm surprised that they didn't replace uh bikini kill with uh (laughs) What's something that's rebellious? That's uh, Miley Cyrus Lady cover Gaga. of Bikini Le- Kill. <laughs> Lady Gaga, yeah. Sorry, uh, just like the a pop mom cover. was a little monster. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, 
Um, but for school one day, she runs into Seth and they talk. Um, and he's obviously making an excuse to talk to her because he asks her about their homework assignment and does this whole thing where he like pulls out his assignment book and goes, yeah, okay. I had the right assignment written down and like puts it back up. It's like so like kind of cute, which I like that. Um, and that's when she notices he has a runaway sticker and they get in this awkward conversation. Um, and then, oh, this is when the kid wears the new shirt. Has an arrow pointing to his jug that says free breath Elizer test blow here. Okay. And on this same day that Jason is wearing that shirt, um, the dress code checks start. Now, I a siren say, goes off <laughs> and uh, uh, someone runs in to check for biggins. Yes, basically, <laughs> these 50-year-old men run in and are like, okay, I can see that girl's breasts and that girl has breasts and this girl has breasts. So come on, ladies. You got to cover them up. But They just start disappearing uh, uh, C-cups. <laughs> like Hotel Hell style. They're just like taking yeah. them out. Um, and then they uh, make them wear like old gym t-shirts or something that are just like big and shapeless like also they, kind they of make like them a, wear shirts that say uh breath <laughs> breath free breath lecture test blow yeah. here <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's like a mark like a hester we've got Prince a whole type box of them in the back of shame on these poor girls but but um i never when i went to school we never had dress code checks like this and i don't know if it's because i went to school in a time when like grunge fashion was cool and so you are just covered in layers from head to toe like there's girls were not wearing short shorts or uh, spaghetti strapped tanks. Really, we had we had rules that said you can't do that. I don't remember. I don't remember them ever being violated, other than me, who had the "Say You Love Satan" T-shirt, and it wasn't because of like what I was wearing. It was because of what it said. Yeah, <laughs> like it wasn't like Jessica. That's far too sexy. It was. <laughs> Uh, Jessica, your shirt is offending some of our, uh, your classmates. And I was just like, they wear Jesus shirts and did like the whole pouty thing, even though like I didn't care. Gotcha. It, checkmate. ACLU. If Jessica was a teen now in school. Mm-hmm. She would have the little Nas X video, uh, <laughs> on a t-shirt just twerking on Satan. I haven't seen this. I've only heard of it, mm-hmm. but. I guess now Lil Nas X is satanic, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have a satanic panic, but it's just about now the satanic arts are turning your children gay and sending them to hell. Isn't it? How, isn't it pathetic how quickly they've gone to like petty culture war, like pearl clutching bullshit? Like, well, about like the like. Well, wow, always comes up. Thing. Every comes every up because of the Grammy thing. performance and yeah. Also, it involves, uh, you know, black people. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Just saying. They're a coincidence. Let's talk about it. Are you, not only is the devil gay, but he's also inter- doing interracial gay sex. Yeah, I mean, ew, interracial devil porn? Come on. So, anyway, these dress code checks start. They're very draconian. They basically come in and pull girls out that they think look way too sexy. By the way, that means they have boobs. Um, and the principal thinks... That these girls are way too sexy. That's the problem, right? Male principles, yes. I see. I always went to Christian schools, so we had a very Any tight uniforms? dress code, and everyone pretty much just no one really challenged it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm trying to think if anything. If you saw a kid wearing a t-shirt inside out, that meant that whatever was on the shirt offended someone. So they it said Marlboro it with the yeah. with the Joe spaghetti Camel. straps and low cut stuff. Though it's it it's always been about. Does this distract your male teachers? Yeah. 
Like, or that's your what male it, students. But we know what it's really about, right? It's just it's distracting the male staff. I am the, going to get in trouble as your teacher. For yeah, is that like, what you say? That's that's what's behind the whole thing. At least that's my theory. Well, a lot of it is also just placing personal responsibility for uh, young men not paying attention in class or not being able to control themselves on women. It's that's the whole thing. It's, it all just comes back to putting the blame on women. Yeah. Because you're too sexy and men can't resist that. Boys can't resist that. They're just going to look at you all day instead of reading their textbook. Which, by the way, they're going to look at anything instead I'm, of reading yeah. their textbook. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, the, the, yeah. Yeah. It did not matter. Here's what I'll say, Jessica. I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to push back a little, I would okay. argue. Are you going to play devil's advocate with me right now? Yes, Look, I, I would just argue that modesty is a virtue that never goes out of style. <laughs> <laughs> That's a That's quote a... from the principal of the book. Yes. Like, oh god! <laughs> well, no, the... it's is that what he says, or does he have? He says that, or right? No, or I think he, have, he does he like have... an announcement, and I think he says it. Okay. Whatever they're like, oh, you might have noticed that we're doing dress code checks today, and here's why. Yeah. And then he says that modesty is a virtue that never goes out of style. Yes. Um, and so also that day in class, Emma Johnson transfers into Mr. Davies' English class. Emma Johnson, by the way, is like the head cheerleader, the cutest girl, perfect, smart, nice, everything. So um, that night she is inspired to make – the next issue of Moxie while her mom is on a date. And in this issue of Moxie, she suggests that the girls protest these dress codes by wearing bathrobes to school. This is a better protest. <laughs> than the tank tops, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it can go either way. Yeah. In the movie, they all do tank tops. In the movie, they all yeah. do tank tops, which alienates some girls what because is... some girls don't feel comfortable Dressing in tank, I never, and it was not because I thought it was sexy. Like, I still don't wear sleeveless things, and it's because I don't feel comfortable in my body. And so, like, I don't like my arms. So, if I were to wear like a tank top to school or in public, I would literally just feel so self conscious all day. And it wouldn't be because I'm like, oh, it's because I'm sexy and hot in this revealing tank top. It would be because, like, I don't like like my arms or whatever. And so I do feel like doing the tank top thing does alienate maybe girls who aren't comfortable with their bodies. So the bathrobe works better because this is not as intersectional as she intended it because exactly. yeah. the bathrobe There's is all... really weird. The like... bathrobe works better though. I think because well, it, here's it... the thing that it does do in the movie is it allows, I don't really know you need to do this though. I was going to say it allows the, the boy, uh, the boys to behave like jackasses the way they would behave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by Where saying like, if this is feminism, then I'm yeah. for it. Which ladies. is 100 percent. The movie is right. That's exactly mm-hmm. how those guys would act. Yeah. If that happened. Yeah. So it does allow for, you know, young girls to. If feminism means more biggins on display, then <laughs> yeah. call, call me a feminist. <laughs> uh, is bathrobes like. Is the principal like the dress code specifically says no bathrobes? Is that, no, is that like a thing? It's just the, making a the, spectacle to yes. protest. Okay. And the thing is also is that they also talk about this in the book is that the dress code in the school itself is very vague, and it's because, as someone points out, they can tr- they can you know interpret that to be whatever they want when they're applying right. it to someone, so they leave it vague. So whenever she goes to school early the next morning to drop off copies. She runs into Seth and she's holding copies of Moxie and they go everywhere and he's helping her pick them up. And he's like, wait, do you write Moxie? And she's like, yes. So now he knows that Vivian is Moxie. 
So the girls throughout the week debate whether they're going to wear their bathrobes or not. And on the day that they're supposed to wear bathrobes, sorry, I can't talk bathrobes. <laughs> Lucy, Sarah, and Caitlin all wear bathrobes out of like their friend group. But Claudia doesn't and Emma doesn't. Oh, um, that's the other thing that uh, the movie kind of uh, allows with the tank top thing mm-hmm. uh, for Claudia not to be able to. So she still sort of wants to support it. But because her mother is very conservative, yes. she can't wear it. Yes. She tries, and then her mom yells at her as she's leaving. But also in the movie, I also feel like one of the things that I don't like that they do is that she and Claudia do get in a big fight. Whereas in the book, and it's not necessarily around that, but in the book, they don't really get in a fight. They It seems like they're going to be distant for a while. They're drifting apart. But they, they come to like an understanding, you know. Yeah. Claudia starts to understand what is happening and they do kind of drift, but they never really fight and they do still, you know, love each other and care about each other. Whereas in the movie, there's a, they kind of, there's like a big fight and it's because of something that doesn't even happen in the book. Yeah. But But there's also the Lucy stuff in the book that they take out of the movie. Yeah. So anyway, um, Kate, another girl in their class, has worn a bikini under her bathrobe. And whenever a teacher tells her, like, comes in and sees all these girls in bathrobes, she's like, what are you doing? Take that off. What are you guys doing? And she reveals that she has a bikini top. And boys are like, yeah. If this is the matriarchy, (laughs) step on me with heels, mom. (laughs) Take that off. Uh, Like, why would you say take that off? You're just asking for trouble. Yeah, don't make people take off their bathrobes. And um, Vivian carves moxie girls fight back into her desk. And Claudia and Vivian are talking later, and Claudia's like, I don't think you would have participated in bathrobe protests if it weren't for Lucy, that Lucy is a feminist and she's a bad influence on you, Vivian. So um, whenever Seth ran into her and realizes she's Moxie, is that when he asks her on a date? I didn't take a um, note on that. I don't remember. Well, anyway, my next chapter, uh, oh, no, I had to say Seth asked Vivian out. So, okay, on their date... Vivian kind of introduces him to like teen culture in a small town, which is just cruising because Seth is from Austin, Texas. His parents are artists and they decided to move to small town, Texas for art. Yeah, they kind of like they want some kind of authentic like experience of living amongst the people. Yeah. Typical liberal shit, I guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's no, not it is, flyover country. It, it's, it is yeah. stupid bullshit. <laughs> like yeah. stupid liberal bullshit. So um, she introduces them to cruising at Sonic, and they go cruise a funeral home. So basically, one lot. one thing uh, here is everything is closed. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah, because it's a football game. Closed yeah. for the game. So they kind of just are running around town. Like, when they go to, like, the Sonic, the the only person there is like, you're not at the game? Yeah. Yeah, they go to a Jack and Box and get food, and they're like... She's like, oh, well, they're losing horribly, and they're like, good. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, is the team kind of sucks. Yeah. They are not having a good season. Mm-mm, not at all. Um, and anyway, after their date, they have fun, they hang out and talk, and he doesn't kiss her whenever he drops her off, and she's afraid that she's been friend-zoned and not a date, because he specifically says, it's nice having friends here. <laughs> I'm glad I made a friend whenever he <laughs> drops her off. And that's what we are, friends. Uh, yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> Basically. You zoned. <laughs> so she stays down at Claudia's one night, and the next morning, her mom calls and says, hey, honey, I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, you know John the Republican that you hate? 
He stayed the night last night while you were at your friend's house. And so if you come home, he's still going to be here. Okay, bye. Ooh. Yeah. You know, you wore a bathrobe to school yesterday. Now there's a man walking around the house <laughs> in the bathroom because we had sex. Uh, oh, you might want to come home late. God. Uh, and when she goes to school uh, earlier that week, um, Lucy shows her some flyers she made. She's having a moxie bake sale that she organized herself to raise money for the soccer team. And she, Vivian's like, oh, do you run moxie? Because she's always trying to throw people off. And Lucy's like, oh, no, I don't. But I thought I could just use the name. And Vivian's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Vivian's like, no, intellectual property lady. <laughs> Sorry. And so um, she even makes the club legal and signs them up or signs Moxie up as a club at school and lists herself as the representative. That way they could have like the legal bake sale and follow school rules. Um, when they have the bake sale, Kira comes up and wants to know more about this Moxie club and if it's open to new members. And that's when her friend chips in, chimes in and says, uh, she's asking if it's just for white girls. So um, this is when... Um, they kind of established that Moxie is not a club, really, but it's an idea that anyone can use that could gather the same like-minded people. There's no real, like, central organization. It's more of an idea than it is a club. But no, it's not just for white girls. Like, But it's also awkward for um, Vivian to talk about, even though she used to be best friends with Kira. And that's when, like, Lucy's like, yeah, your school has a thing with race and is pointing out, like, all the, you know, black kids sit together and all the white kids sit together and all the Hispanic kids sit together. It's so it's a thing that's more explicit in the book where they talk about that. They do a little bit in, like, that one scene at the party, maybe. maybe. But more so of the movie is kind of a uh, – how do I put this? <laughs> like – it is a very kind of utopian representation thing where like No, I was uh, thinking the same thing. Like they have that's a diverse fucking school for a small town in the Pacific Northwest. Like Right, yeah, yeah. We know the Pacific Northwest is like mostly white. Like it is. I mean, you are going to get some uh, diversity from uh, white clans members, or not clan, but like <laughs> like those like splintered off. Uh, I, actually, they're probably homeschooled. All the there white are many different militias in the area. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it is it is majority white. So for the fact that this is a small town population six thousand, which by the way, it looks a lot bigger in the movie, <laughs> but it is very diverse uh as far as uh racial representation and also queer representation because there's even an out transgender girl in their school in the book that's never touched upon really or Wait, in no, the movie that's... sorry oh it's not in the book no there it's there the is book. a lesbian couple i think in the book that they touch briefly upon sexuality but it's not it's not like uh in the movie where there's an openly transgender girl who is upset because like teachers call her by her dead name and stuff and and weren't going to let her audition for is it uh, Little Shop of Horrors? Little, Little Shop, Shop of Horrors yeah. is the school play that year. Yes. yes. So I've never seen it. I've seen the movie. That's what I mean. I've never the seen Rick Moranis. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. Seen that. Um. So now there's a new thing at school that the boys do, and it's called bump and grab. 
and it's mainly the football Doesn't players. Doesn't sound good. They shouldn't have a name for it. I'll Does say. not sound good. <laughs> if at you're all. naming your sexual assault, that's not good. Right, guys. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess part of naming, making it a game they've named it, would try to like dodge accountability of it not being a game. Yeah. God. Okay. When it sounds like an R. Kelly song, though, that <laughs> that makes it worse. Like it. Blake, can you do a parody ca- song called Bump and Grab? And to the can you do a country song called called Rope and Grope? <laughs> uh, yes. I'm excited. To I'll see drop whatever that you come up right with. here. Cool. Oh, that was great. Whoa, Blake! I don't know about that one. There was some offensive stuff in that song. <laughs> I think well, you might be canceled, buddy. I wanted to be edgy. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, a real bump and grab is when a boy bumps into you in the hallway and then whenever the girl stumbles they grab the girl and they goose them around the waist or maybe they pinch them on their butt whatever viv one day gets bumped and grabbed twice <laughs> once she gets bumped and grabbed and she tells lucy about it and um because lucy doesn't know what it is and then she also tells them oh yeah it's just a thing that the football players do last year their big thing was taking upskirt pics of girls Jesus so christ cool this is real predator shit going yeah. on um seth asks vivian on a real date he approaches her and he's like hey would you like to go on a real date over christmas break because maybe it came off as kind of wrong but i do like you and i want to date you um and that's after he asks her out she's on like a high and of course she's bumping grabbed right then by uh garza and she goes to the bathroom and she's just really angry and she goes into a stall and that's when she sees someone has written moxie girls fight back graffiti in the stall and she gets inspired and revved up again she's always like inspired and revved up by something another girl does it's not like necessarily what the boys do that just angers her but when she sees like another girl do something that's when she's like oh i i can take action too (laughs) like that's what inspires her like she never really seems to be that act i don't know it's interesting I was thinking about that. But anyway, she has a good date with Seth. Um, he does pull all the not all guys kind of shit. Um, like, <laughs> yes. he never. Yeah. I've She's just talking about like, bump and grab and how awful it is and how all the guys are assholes. And he's like, hey, not all men, not my guys I hang out with who like to just talk about obscure baseball stats. Right. Like anytime that she brings this stuff up, he gets offended and starts doing but not me, right? Kind of stuff. Not which, me and not my friends. Right. Which, again, this is probably the biggest problem with the movie. If is they have completely removed this aspect of the book, mm-hmm. which is the and made him a an example of look, not all men. He's perfect. Yeah. Like he's just out there. When you walk out, he's out there supporting you. He's written Vivian on himself. Yeah. Like a fucking. Like Dork. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So, but she she becomes angry at him for doing this, like yes. repeatedly. Well, at first she's just kind of confused, like why is he defending? Why doesn't he understand where I'm coming from? Why doesn't he believe me when I talk about how you know it's really hard? I understand that maybe you're not doing it, but a lot of men do this. So why can't you just understand why I'm angry and why we're upset and why we're doing something? Like I know it's not you, but. It's like an overwhelming amount of men who do this to women. Like you realize this and we are justified in like being hurt and angry and taking action anyway. Um, but I wrote your name on me. <laughs> so um, Claudia, you know, it's her first date with this guy and, and she 
hasn't heard from Claudia since school earlier that day. And, and every other friend has texted her and been like, hey, how was your date? But not Claudia. And she's kind of worried about it. And the next morning, her mom wakes her up early and says, hey, Claudia's here. And Claudia comes in to Vivian's room and she's crying and upset. And she said that the previous day on the last day before Christmas break, that she was going to the bathroom and Mitchell Wilson bump and grabbed her in the creepy locker room hallway, which every school has the creepy locker room hallway that is dimly lit and no one ever goes in. Every school has that. Um, He pins her. It's not just a normal bump and grab, you know, where he bumps her and pinches her or whatever. Instead, he actually pins her against the wall and gropes her breasts repeatedly and painfully underneath her shirt. And she tried to tell Principal Wilson, and he said that Mitch was probably joking and Claudia should relax and forget about it. And Vivian is rightfully angry and sad for her friend. And so she plays her Phil's Blind by Bikini Kill. That's what you do to comfort your friends. Um, and Claudia's kind of beginning to understand, like, hey, maybe men do suck. Like, maybe these boys do suck in our high school and we should do something. Um, so Vivian creates her next issue of Moxie. And it comes with a sticker that says, you're an asshole, XOXO Moxie. <laughs> this was in the in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to add a funny little, like, side. Uh, this, this is not important to the book at all, but... <laughs> The mother comes home from work one night and she said that she had an argument with Republican John and it was because he didn't think Ann Richards was a good governor, which I thought this was just like a funny side thing in this book. Um, And she explains to her daughter, like, yeah, Ann Richards was a great governor. And then she goes, but you know what? Not liking Ann Richards' financial policies doesn't make John evil. <laughs> it's like, no, just him being Republican does. She Sorry. was a centrist all along. <laughs> so I thought that was a funny thing. So anyway, the goal is to basically, they're instructed in this latest issue of Moxie to use these stickers and retaliate against these boys who have been bumping and grabbing them and let them know what we think about them. And so these stickers are just stuck all over, you know, Mitchell Wilson's locker. When boys try to touch them or grab them, girls will just slap these stickers on their chests or on their backpacks or whatever as they're walking through. Um, Another funny side note is like Lucy is watching as a girl is smacking a boy with like the sticker and she goes, this is like a feminist fantasy, but it can't be a complete feminist fantasy because Roxanne Gay isn't here. So (laughs) true. So Mitchell is pissed by this, whereas in the movie, they're kind of like sarcastically like wearing the stickers as like badges of honor. They're like Dennis Miller over here. (laughs) So an asshole. Um, uh, And this is a thing I think the movie kind of gets right is that they they definitely would be like, yo, look at me, because Mitchell is covered in what, 20 stickers on him. Like, of course, that of course they would try to. At least pretend on the surface to to revel in it. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, so in their English class, um, Mitchell verbally attacks Lucy in class and asks if she had written if she was behind Moxie, and he asks this because she was running the bake sale earlier, and he calls Moxie a man-hating lesbo baking club. And at the end of the day, everyone's like, oh, my God, come look at this. And they all go outside to the teacher's parking lot. 
and they see that someone has stuck moxie stickers all over principal wilson's truck nice so that's good not very happy with them so because of the stickers and probably mainly sticking them on this principal's truck um the girls are forced to attend a mandatory assembly for them only at the assembly the principal tells them that the moxie club is banned from future activities and anyone who is caught using the moxie label will be expelled and he asks emma who is miss perfect again to speak at the assembly and she tells the girls that they need to be ladies Later, uh, as they all are all leaving the assembly, Mr. Shelley, who is like one of the assistant principals, also fits a small school. Why do they need multiple assistant principals? Look, you had a principal and a vice principal. It's all you needed. This is not a big school. So I will say this is one of those things that seems like a super empty threat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as someone once later says, they can't expel us all, which is right. true. Yeah. Like, why don't we all just quit paying our student loans? What are they going to do? Jail? Actually, they probably would jail us all. Yeah, yeah, They would jail us all. They totally would. Marsha so Gay Harden would lock us up and <laughs> throw away the key. So um, Lucy texts, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Lucy texts Vivian later and asks her to come over. She said that Mr. Shelley grilled her about Moxie and Moxie Club. And she told him that she had nothing to do with the stickers. And she was sent home early as a warning and she is very afraid of getting in trouble because of college admissions and scholarships. I mean, if you're suspended, will that really interfere with you getting into fucking Texas A&M? Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just wondering here. We should have, what it's we for. should have had an admissions officer on as our guest. <laughs> should have. Let's call someone. So um, later, I don't know if this is really that important in the book, but uh, Vivian does meet Seth's artsy parents, who. Their names are Zoe and Alejandro. They eat dinner. They offer her wine. Like, just kind of like cool art parents. Um, they leave very quickly and go to the beach. Um, she and her mom later that night have a talk about Republican John. And um, Vivian tells her mom that she just likes that her mom is happy. So basically, she comes to accept Republican John without a emotional fuck the patriarchy meltdown over salad at dinner. So I mean that that scene kind of replaces all the stuff with Seth and uh, her I, anger about Claudia being assaulted by Mitchell because that doesn't happen in the movie. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed it didn't seem so. It just didn't, it just stuck out so weird. I, no, I it's know. terrible. It's a terrible scene, and it it's not good. It's not a good representation of her character. It's not because her character is not someone who is like that. Right. The drunk scene is different because she's drunk yes. when she's like grocery store guy. But it's the first time she's really uh, seeing him and doesn't really like him. Yeah. Yeah. And that thing, so she's like, welcome to the family and barfs all over him. I mean, that <laughs> tracks for a drunk right. teen, I'm guessing. But the confrontation at the dinner table just seems so out of character for for her in the book. I don't know. So – Valentine's Day comes and it's a big deal at the school and she gets Seth a collection of Shirley Jackson short stories because of like an earlier thing in the book where they talked about the lottery and he supported her opinions. <laughs> hero. Yeah. And um, his gift to her is he wrote writes his name on his arm, like on his bicep, like in a tattoo style. Writes her name? Her name. Yeah. Vivian. Whatever. Um, so March Madness has descended upon the student's 
at this high school. And by March Madness, they're not referring to the college basketball tournaments. They're referring to a very sexist list that the upperclassmen of their high school create every year around the same time as March Madness tournaments. Um, they create back brackets that are ranking the girls, and the final girl who makes it through everything is the most fuckable girl at their high school. Is that the only category? Because basically, they just list all the girls, and then if you win, you're the most fuckable. Okay. In the movie, they had all the all the categories. Yeah, like best butt, right. best yeah. thighs. Like right. it was much more objective. They get really specific. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? What body part they like? Like best. Best wap. Best nipple. Best feet. <laughs> Best nipple, <laughs> best feet. <laughs> um, so Claudia actually makes the list. She's like on one of the lower tiers, and the girls all make a pact to not look at it, and then they drink stolen wine. Um, and then Kira also points out that only white girls win. So, oh wait, mm. Kira's not at the party. That's the next day at school. Um, and also Kira, whenever she points that out when they're talking about March Madness, um, she points out to Vivian and. Says that she wants to raise more money for the soccer team, and maybe Moxie should have an off-site event to raise money, and suggests having like another bake sale or something, but not doing it at school. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what this is that I wrote. Oh, it's whenever she is upset with Seth, and she's trying to explain her frustration to him um, because she's talking to him about March Madness. And he's like, oh, yeah, that stuff is just stupid. And then he says, not all guys are like that. And she kind of, she gets upset with him. And she's upset because she can't, you know, vent out her frustrations through Moxie anymore because of the threat of expulsion, that kind of thing. And um, they kind of get in a fight. And she doesn't really know how to express herself, I think. Um, and she says, but Seth is a guy and he can't ever know what it is, feels like to walk down the hallway and know that you're getting judged for the size of your ass or how big your boobs are. He'll never understand what it's like to second guess everything you wear and how you sit and walk and stand in case it doesn't attract the right kind of attention or worse, attracts the wrong kind. He'll never get how scary and crazy making it is to feel like you belong to some big boy monster that decides it can grab you and touch you and rank you whenever and however it wants. So, um... Like Josh has pointed out, expressed much better in the book. That's never really alluded to. It's not expressed in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's a perfect man. Um, uh, when he when he puts when he puts the stars on his hands, uh, Lucy says that's hot. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think they do that in the book, though. To be fair, okay. Uh, maybe I can't remember. Um, she makes the next issue of Moxie, and it's referring to. The March Madness stuff, and she says that March Madness is just one more way for certain boys at ERHS to treat girls like objects. Plus, it pits us girls against one another. It creates competition where there should be unity. It idealizes one type of beauty, white and thin, over all others. It shames us and humiliates us. It's sick, gross, and essentially condoned by the school and community. March Madness is fucked up. Don't forget it. Remember, Moxie is always watching... It's like Big Brother right here. Yeah, and this picture of eyes. She, yeah. she, she was paying attention to the Eckelberg stuff <laughs> in uh, Great Gatsby in class. <laughs> so uh, everyone keeps saying, man, this new issue of Moxie seems so much more aggressive and angry. Um, and Lucy is worried that she'll get in trouble because of the new issue because everyone thinks that she is behind Moxie. After their fight, Seth comes over and they have a talk about him being defensive and unaware 
and she tries to clue him in a little bit more and he apologizes for it. Um, Kira does successfully organize the Moxie Arts and Crafts Show at the VFW because her grandfather is a vet. And while they're there, they find out that Emma Johnson won March Madness. She is the most fuckable girl in school. And before she leaves school one day, she's thinking about inviting Emma to the Moxie Arts and Crafts Show. And then she's like, no way Emma would ever want to come. Even though the Riot Girls said, all girls welcome. You know what? I'm not including Emma. So, um... At the Moxie Arts and Craft show, lots and lots of girls show up. There's tons of vendors and girls are selling food. One girl sells spiked lemonade. Um, so all the girls there are getting drunk and dancing to Bratmobile and folks. I don't think the patriarchy would like that very much. I don't, I don't, I don't know if the patriarchy is going to make it out, make it another day. <laughs> uh, so... Um, Anyway, after they take out, after they stay and help clean, and Vivian takes up the garbage, and this is when she sees one of her fin- friends, Maricela, and Jane making out. This is like the only kind of touching of like queerness in the book, um, and she thinks that she only knows like a couple of out boys, um, but everyone assumes that they're a couple, and they're like in like you know drama club and stuff, and but there are no like out girls, and so she promises to stay quiet to protect them. So everyone is still trying to figure out who makes the moxie. There's a lot of debate because the zines and the flyers, they all look very different. And after school one day, they notice that there is a moxie walkout sign. So this sign was just hanging up, I think, on like the outer doors or something at school. And, um, okay. Moxie walkout this Friday at the attendance bell. I am tired of being silent. Mitchell Wilson tried to rape me at a party. I won't be quiet anymore. Principal Wilson and the administration of ERHS refuse to listen to me. If you support this walkout, you support all girls. You support a movement that refuses to tolerate violence against girls. Um, In the movie, I think in the bathroom, there's just a letter that says to Moxie. (laughs) Is that right, Josh? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like a flyer that everyone sees that are posted all over school. It's just like a letter that she happens to come across that says I was sexually assaulted. And is that is she the one who makes the signs in the movie? Is that what happens? I thought so. So it's not the person who was the survivor of the. Oh, wait, no, I don't know. I don't know. You can't remember. I can't remember now because I was kind of angry about so many things that I don't know if I was maybe paying as close attention as I should have been. But. Anyway, uh, Seth talks to her again, and again, he's like, I don't know, these allegations are very serious, and it's unfair how anonymous women can slander men, and they get into another argument. <laughs> um, and when Seth they're... is just putting up L's all over the place in this book. <laughs> um, when they're in class, one of their teachers tells them that they just had a emergency staff meeting that was concerning moxie and then principal wilson makes an announcement and he says that any students who participate in the walkout will be suspended immediately and possibly expelled and that's when a freshman girl this is another thing that kind of inspires her later uh wilson can't expel us if we all walk out or can he um so if if you if you take part in any moxie related activities you'll be expelled you won't get into college. We will repo your car mm-hmm. that is parked on, and and, uh, and just you won't graduate. You, you won't get your diploma. Uh, you'll be stuck working at a Texas Jack in the Box the rest we'll, of your we'll life. We'll put you in a T-shirt 
on your way out. <laughs> or take away your tank tops. Yeah. Um, so, of course, Lucy is pulled out of class and sent home. And when Vivian goes to see her after school, Lucy tells her that she was suspended but not expelled yet. But that Principal Wilson has sworn that he'll contact every college that she has applied to and tell them about her, I don't know, horrible behavior. I'm going to go out of my way to get you out and not accepted to college. Yeah. And so she also makes a point of saying that she, you know, she didn't do it. She didn't um, organize this walkout. And he seemed to know that she was not the person who organized the walkout, but he still wanted to pin it on her. Um, It's basically the... Uh, scene in The Fugitive when he says, I didn't kill my wife, and the principal says, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that, Josh. Thank you. Um, so she uh, confesses to uh, Lucy that she made Moxie, and Lucy's like, I'm not mad. I'll take the blame. <laughs> I'm your sacrificing friend. Um, I just think it's cool that you don't have to have any kind of uh, accountability for the shit you've done that everyone else is getting in trouble for white girl. (laughs) Um, No, that's not really what happens, but um, she does say, you know, it's cool because everyone can use the label Moxie and there's no leader and blah, blah, blah. So um, she calls her mom because she's actually her mom calls her because she's like, Hey, I got a robo call from the school about a walkout and how everyone will be expelled if they participate in it. And that's when Vivian knows that the principal has pulled out the big guns, like alerting parents to this walkout. And she kind of breaks down on the phone with her mom. And she's like, I think Seth and I broke up. You know, a girl at my school was sexually assaulted. We just want to do a walkout to like support our friend because the administration is doing nothing. And I've just made this mess of my life. And um, mom leaves work early and comforts Viv. Uh, who is pretty convinced that she and Seth are broken up. And her mom reminds her, hey, you know, guys are indoctrinated with the same bullshit that you are all their life. But you know what? Be better, guys. So the girls text back and forth. None of them are sure if they're walking out. They're all kind of scared of expulsion. She also asks her mom. Her mom has a conflict at that point. Like, yes, she's like the part of me that was a rebel wants you to walk out. But part of me is worried about your future yeah so part of uh, me who has been working and putting into your college account you know your your college savings account and wants you to get away from this place wants you to think about your future but i think she also says at the end like they can't he can't expel you all or he'll have to face me like (laughs) but uh, i mean if your mom was one of the lunatics i feel like (laughs) She would have been able to. Look, uh, they they would have encouraged you to walk out. So mom's mom, would have been sell out. If your mom was an L seven, your mom would have been totally behind <laughs> this. You know, if your mom was a a babe in Toyland, I think I think the mom had like a couple of compilations. I don't know how much of a riot girl she was. If your mom was a heavens to Betsy, <laughs> I think. I think the Amy Poehler character is a Hot Topic Riot girl. Aww. <laughs> Give her a little more credit. She's just a normie. A normie who never escaped her riot girl town in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> uh, so um, the next day at school, Lucy texts, texts them and says, hey, if you guys are walking out, send me pics. I've got an idea. 
Um, and so they are waiting for this, uh, the bell to ring. It's the bell where teachers take attendance. And that's when they're all supposed to walk out. And so when the bell rings, Vivian is waiting for other girls in the classroom to stand up. She's waiting to see girls walking by the classroom and no one is moving and no one, she doesn't hear like voices in the hall or anything. And she's kind of like, um, I don't know if I should stand up, if I should walk out. And just as she says that she's about to anyway, Emma stands up first and she takes out a marker and writes Moxie down her left forearm and then she, hold on, I wrote this down because I think this is like the powerful scene in the book, right? Yeah, I don't remember that. Well, that's because it doesn't happen that way in the stupid <laughs> movie. So um, she stands up, whips a sharpie from, sharpie from her pocket, and her china doll cheeks flush with what I quickly perceive to be rage. She writes the word moxie down her left forearm. forearm. Her hand is shaking. Then she looks toward the back of the classroom. She stares at Mitchell with eyes full of a fury so awesome. Her face reminds me of Kathleen Hanna's voice. Mitchell, she says, her voice clear and cutting. Fuck you. And she walks out. That should have been in the movie. I know. Dang. It's much stronger, right? Much more powerful. Yep. So, yeah, Vivian catches up to Emma and they walk out together. And that's when she asks the obvious question like, uh, did you make that flyer? And Emma's like, yeah, that was me. And so the girls walk out together and meet up with, you know, Claudia and Kira and the gang. Everyone and... but Roxanne Gay is out there. It's uh... <laughs> not a true well, feminist not a, yeah, fantasy. Not a feminist party. Yeah. Um, and Emma speaks and she tells them about Mitchell and how he uh, sexually assaulted her at a party and how she went to Principal Wilson and they... She went to his dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Oh, boy. Well... Yeah, good corruption. school. And um, they, you know, tells him how Mitchell ignored her and said he would take care of it. And he never did. And so Wilson and Shelly, the principal and vice principal, come out and they're trying to quiet the girls and they're barking at them. And, you know, they, they have fucking megaphones and they're yelling at the girls and threatening them with expulsion. And girls are recording everything on their cell phones and taking pictures. And Wilson accuses Emma of colluding with Lucy on Moxie. And that's when Vivia stands up and goes, no, it was me. And then girls just start Spartacusing. Like they're all like, but I helped. And I, I helped. And I and am I Moxie. <laughs> no, I am Moxie. Yes. So um, the girls start chanting, we are Moxie. And the principal vows that he'll expel them all. <laughs> it's funny that in the book, it points out that he does try to expel them all. Wow. Like, like it literally he, does he say tried that. To do the paperwork. We're going to yeah. be an all boys school from now on. <laughs> and that's when the school board intervenes is what we learn. But um, Lucy, due to like all the girls sending her uh, video of the protest and pictures has gone viral and. That's how her mom finds out that uh, the girls participated in the walkout is from TV. It makes national and local news. Um, Seth shows up that night and apologizes again <laughs> and says, hey, I shouldn't have doubted that flyer. And I should have tried to understand Moxie and what it means to you more. Hey, sorry about all that. The uh, feminist stuff. Now can we have sex in the football parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we skip ahead to the last day of school. Mr. Davies, uh, the shitty English teacher, has announced his retirement. I want to talk about Ike Barinholtz again in a second. I forgot to mention this in the movie, but okay. This part? Yeah, that part. <laughs> so um, they have a new principal. It's Mr. 
Enriquez. Um, the school board got involved after the story went viral. Um, there was an investigation into Principal Wilson, and it turns out that not only is he a sexist creep, but who was trying to expel you know almost all the women who attended this high school, but he'd also been funneling money into pet projects, which is something that is pointed out throughout the book is how underfunded, like, they have no money for updated textbooks, which... They have a jumbotron, though. They have a jumbotron, they have smoke machines, they have, in the movie, they have gigantic cardboard cutouts of football players' faces that they're holding out, that creature That was kind of weird, yeah. <laughs> Blake did not like it that. Was like Those were also made at the son. print shop that she made boxy at. <laughs> mm. That's true. That's one hell of a Kinko's. Yeah. Um, so the Wilsons immediately put their home up for sale and move as soon as he is fired. Uh, and Mr. Shelley and other administrators who were like pro Wilson quit. You know, if I wrote this, I would have added the one extra like libelous thing against him here that he uh, had confiscated all the upskirt photos and they found <laughs> them in his uh, <laughs> like in a drawer in his, his office desk, or something. Yeah. yeah, I would have just had Principal Wilson uh, hanging from his closet at the very end. Oh, just swinging he went there. You went there, dude. <laughs> I mean, it might as well. It's pretty, it gets pretty, uh, yeah, anyway. Well, anyway, um, it's the last day of school. It's a half day. And she actually decides, hey, maybe I should talk to Emma again. And, um, you know, after school, they're walking together and talking. And that's when you find out that uh, Mr. Wilson actually bullied Emma into speaking at the all-girls assembly. And he also bullied her into running for vice president of the student body instead of president because he thought that vice president was a better role for women and that she was the one who put the stickers on his truck. And Damn. yeah. And, you know, Vivian invites Emma to come to a Moxie sleepover and the girls start planning for events for Moxie in the future. They have all summer. And so... Because boys aren't going to be good the next year, they decide. They're <laughs> Prob- still... Probably not. <laughs> the, the... Yeah. Yeah. So that is the book. I do want to talk about, and I we totally skipped over it, and I don't know, I forgot because I found it to be like one of uh, the stupidest parts of the movie. Well, uh, you, you, we first, can we discuss the coolest part of the movie that we skipped over? Oh, do it. At the pep rally, they're playing the Boss Tones. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Blake and I died. The school yeah. band is playing uh, the, the impression, impression that I did. The, yeah. the pep band, and they're yeah. doing it pretty badly. Yeah, it was great. This this film is a Gen X crime. As someone who was in pep band, we didn't have we played pop songs, but nothing after about 1979. But that makes sense that a band in like 2019 yeah, would be playing a song yeah. from 1997. I guess. You know. Yeah, but what they'd be playing is thong song. <laughs> you're right you're right it would be like cisco kind of that like you know great actually back in blake state was like what rock and roll part two or whatever mambo number five mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Now that's what they're playing i mean they should have mambo number five and then the girls can take it on and say why are we playing this song about this man who is uh sleeping with all these women when we could be playing whatever yeah rebel a, girl yeah a, a song that's just a list of men's names we got brad Tony, Ryan, <laughs> and Jacob. Those don't really rhyme, but Brandon, you know, and so on. Mark, Luke, Peter, Paul, John. There we go. Matthew. Matthew. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Job. Yeah, <laughs> Job. So, uh, also, I want to point out something that was very egregious in the reworking of this, and that is the absence of Joan Jet the cat. What the fuck? Oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a Joan Jet the. 
the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Joan yep. Jett the cat. That's their that's their family tabby, you know? So how hard good. is it to cast a fucking cat and just have it hanging around and have the character go, hey Joan Jett, they just once, just they, once they in the movie. Find a cat that resembled I Joan have had Jett. a cat sitting on my legs this entire time we're podcasting. Has not annoyed anyone in the last uh, almost two hours now. <laughs> um so yeah, not very hard. No. No. Our cat been sitting here by Blake's we feet. We have a cat at my feet right now. Just chilling out. So. What's the part you were going to say, though? Oh, I found it. I know it's supposed to be like inspiring or something, I guess. Uh, but it's I when think it was. It's when the girls are all getting ready to walk out. And instead of Emma in the book standing up and being like, fuck you, Mitch, and writing Moxie on her arm. Instead, when the attendance bell rings, Ike Barinholtz, the teacher, holds up his hands. And one hand has a star and one hand has a heart. And he's like, go get him, girl. No, he, that's not what he does at all. There is okay, a long... Sorry fake fake out speech right. about how you're, I'm not, sorry. Gonna, you're gonna get suspended i know i yeah, don't I, know. I don't condone this i wash my hands of it and then he lifts up his hands whatever there we go i'm glad yeah. that a man approves of my behavior <laughs> i mean he he's the earlier he let he was so afraid of going viral when the ladies were uh that's true right. he wearing their total... spaghetti strap stuff that he left his classroom which is not allowed <laughs> <laughs> anyway i think that's what i'd do if i had a phone on me it might just be because i hated the oath as a movie so maybe that's why i found oh it. you're coming for ike okay interesting look i'm coming um, for all you uh, the only other thing i've written down in the movie that i didn't like is when um lucy goes to complain to principal marisha G- Gay Harden's oh, character. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, she's showing her the March Madness stuff in the lists, and she says, "That's social media. I don't understand." <laughs> that was. She's like so in denial of what's going on in her school. <laughs> I, which, right? Exactly. <laughs> to the point that she. Pretends but it also not plays off like that. You know, people of a certain age don't understand social media too. Like that whole trope. I, I feel like it's more. Like my sister they purposely, yes. like, yeah, purposely yes. pretend not to understand, so they don't have to. Do so exactly. deal with anything. The way yeah. that when women go to the police and say, uh, this man is starting to rape and murder me, they'll say, that's social media. I don't understand. Look, that's it's social it. media. We don't handle that's that. That's the internet that's outside of the law. That's the uh, internet. It's not real. Look, Nothing can hurt you. Logging off. Yeah, I, they, I suggest turning, you. turn your computer off. Uh, Nothing can hurt you <laughs> if you're tried, not online. Uh, have you tried taking the battery off, blowing on it, and putting <laughs> it back in? Have you tried rebooting it? To see if that will stop the, maybe the, 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 the murder, violent the misogyny. The will go away if, if, yeah, if you yeah. Pl- unplug it. So the movie, I didn't care for, uh, especially compared to some of the scenes in this book that I thought were actually quite well written and were powerful, I guess, for a, a teen book. I don't know. I'm, I'm so used to reading such, like, just teen horror all the time. That when is R.L. Stein going to take on the patriarchy? When, R.L.? Yeah, I think he's part of it. I think the movie uh, was okay. Slappy definitely is. Nope. <laughs> movie not great, you know, mild mild entertainment, but uh yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you feel like the movie is less than like than what you thought of it after hearing us talk about some of the scenes in the book and some yeah, of the Yeah, I mean the the book sounds better. I just don't understand why some of these changes were made. Okay, we talked about like maybe what Marsha Gay Harden represented, but just some of them make no sense. I don't know. I mean, um, some things maybe take out the grandparents or whatever for time. Yeah, or, I get or but so, yeah, some of the stuff could have. It, it's not a long movie; it's probably like ninety-five minutes. And maybe they it would be 
it was impossible for them to make it look like Texas, but how hard could it be? Like, I'm, I'm just not don't sure. have a lot of exterior shots and have the kids all wearing, you know, fucking hot, sticky weather Texas clothes. Yeah. Like, the first thing I said was, like, okay, number one, she has a dream. And it's set in, like, yeah. obviously the Pacific Northwest in this dream. And then, number two, all the kids are going to school and they're all wearing, like, jeans and, and layers. And I'm like, that's not Texas. And Blake was like, some parts in Texas are cold. I'm like. Well, I forgot that it's if it's late August, yeah, it's going to be hot as hell. Yeah. I don't so know. From I, the beginning, I was like, I don't like this tone at all in this movie. Uh, I watched it first when mm-hmm. it came out. Didn't particularly like it. Then you Suggest, or maybe I even said let's let's do boxing. It might have been you because I couldn't decide what to do. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I felt like you suggested, and then I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> I I want to read the book of the movie I didn't like. Yeah, and then I I liked the book, and so I rewatched the movie this morning, and now I like the movie even less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I feel like if I had, I mean, it's it's a passable Netflix original. You know what I mean? Like they're all <laughs> a solid four low. or five out of ten. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like all the boys trilogy surpasses this in cinematic. Uh, yeah, those are better. I mean, the first ones are really good. Has yeah. it the kissing booth better or worse? Oh, kissing booth is just trash. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the new one is like two and a half hours or something. Yeah, you were complaining about that. You're pulling a Jessica and complaining about the that kissing booth time. end game. <laughs> Um, I mean, there is going to be a third one, so that will be Endgame. Oh, Oh, God. Okay. Well. uh, The book uh, rating. Well, before we give our ratings um, on Goodreads, this is probably the most reviewed and read book that we've ever read on this podcast. Believe it or not, for people who read Good Rockin' Tonight, which the only two reviews (laughs) were from me and Josh. I'm surprised there aren't like thousands of reviews of Taffy Sinclair gets boobs or whatever that was called. (laughs) Oh, I forgot the Taffy Sinclair parallels um, in this. Because remember in the movie, instead of walkout flyers, this is what she does. She spray paints rape. Oh. She spray paints rape port. Instead of, Instead of Rockport on the on the like school steps, and I was when she was spray painting in bright red, I was like, if she doesn't write Taffy Sinclair has her period, I'm going right. to be pissed. Um, and there was something else too that I was thinking about that paralleled with Taffy Sinclair. Oh, bake sales, because <laughs> I was thinking, well, the girls in the the I against Taffy Sinclair club didn't have permission to sell their brownies to get their Venus de Milo bus developer, but I guess Lucy has to play by the rules and turn it into a club. For their uh, soccer bake sale. Anyway. So um, this book has on Goodreads um, 19,000 plus reviews. The average rating is a 4.3. I believe I gave it 4. It's probably like a 3.5, 3.75 book. I'm going to stay at 4 though after seeing that movie. Because you know what? I see what this could have been and what it is. So I'm going to go with 4 hooves keeping it at it. Uh, I guess 3 hooves. I forget what I gave it. That sounds right. You gave it 3 on Goodreads. The movie, I will give two, and then I will uh, leg sweep the horse. Oh, no! You're going to grab and bump the horse, aren't you? Oh, no. Bump and grab. Sorry, (laughs) I said it wrong. Bump Bump and grab the horse. Okay. Well, um, Blake, what's our next book? Uh, Oh, I get to do it this time. Uh, It is a Garfield comic strip. We're just reading (laughs) Garfield. Now this I can do. Uh, it's it's a classic author, everyone's favorite uh, returning champion, Richie Tankersley Cusick. Uh, I think I read one of this author's books. You read April, April Fools. Fools. Mm-hmm. But this do one I know is, what this is? 
This is called Starstruck. I picked it because aren't the Oscars in April? It looks like oh, yeah. it's about a pool and it's got <laughs> it's a, bo- a, a, a girl, a boy. I think it's a girl in a inner tube in some clear blue water. Mm-hmm. And uh, is this a horror movie? I, or <laughs> Cut my mic. I th- this Wait, is this a man or a woman writer? Richie's a woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. With a name like Richie. Um, does she only do, she does horror, right? Point horror. Yeah. And Buffy, the vampire. What is the name of the book, Blake? I said, it's called Starstruck. I already said it. I assume it's about a teen girl who gets stabbed in a pool. Can you hold up the, the cover? Yeah. Uh, okay. I thought you were wearing a bikini. Those are glasses. I couldn't see. No, there's, there's a bikini top. The back says if I will only read a book with a bikini girl. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Miranda Peterson is thrilled to win a magazine contest to meet hunky actor B- Byron Slater. Mm. And maybe Byron. Leon- <laughs> yeah, Byron. Did the National Review make a <laughs> make an actor? And maybe land the part of the romantic interest in his next action-packed movie. What could be better than a week on a glamorous estate being fussed over by photographers, stylists, and reporters? So what if there are two other girls competing for the same part? Byron's good looks and admiring eyes make her forget everything else. So okay. she won a magazine contest to audition for a film with two other girls. Okay, this is a weird premise, but I'm into it. Um, but the romantic Byron <laughs> is also intensely private, surrounded by agents, assistants, a driver, and a bodyguard. The young actor is well protected for a reason. Dark secrets haunt the sun-drenched estate, and they seem to wrap Byron and anyone close to him in a shroud of danger. This is a long fucking yeah. sorry. Yeah. Suspicion and fear give oh way God. to the heat of It's still going okay, well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> until a body appears in the estate's hot tub. All right, body in a hot tub. I get it. Okay, well. Uh, when you far. said Oscars, I thought you were gonna say uh Nomad Land, a junior junior novelization. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's a novel mm. novelization of um Mank. So Yeah. Let's Let's get our pal Mank in there vomiting yeah. on the floor. <laughs> just like just like the girl in this. Uh, uh, Vivian just, and Mank just having a vomit off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. So that's our next book. Um, and after that, I think I need to check with our guest and see when they can record. But that might be the episode special that we have guest. special guest um, Katie on who runs the Haunted Outfit account. But I need to double check with her and see what times work best for her and that kind of thing. So, all right, yeah. Well, anyway, looking forward to this. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram at Are You There Pod or on Twitter at Jimmy Goosebumps. Josh is taking over that Twitter account, so it should get a lot more entertaining. What? No. What? I'm doing a Lucille Bluth <laughs> wink. We're gonna- um and don't forget we have a patreon blake is there anything exciting going on on the patreon patreon.com slash aux audio aux um you can get the music from the show and bonus content from all aux audio shows we're we're brainstorming things to do as far as bonus episodes go oh and if you support us on patreon you can join our discord channel and talk to us about young adult novels up in the Discord or whatever you want, really. Very exclusive, uh, very cool people up in there. You can yell at me to. and Josh and tell us everything we got wrong. And you can talk sometimes, to me. 
sometimes I think we forget we're posting in the main Are You There pod feed and not the private one. We're we're <laughs> posting horny stuff on main. Get up in there and see what, what we're up to. Um, what was the thing we just said we might do for a bonus episode and I totally forgot? Oh, is it an after school um, special? Or? Yeah, after school specials. We should we're going to watch all of Sister Sister and discuss it. <laughs> we're going to watch the reboot of Punky Brewster. and We're going to watch Kid 90 and let you we're know. Gonna, we're going to watch the reboot of Mighty Ducks. We did <laughs> We did watch Kid 90. That was interesting. Anyway. That's like found footage. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, basically. It's the f- Punky's... Uh... Punky always had a camera. Always had a camera. Had it had some interesting times in New York City, hanging out with the cast of kids, basically, just doing drugs and hanging out with all the skater boys. Well, we're at a healthy two fifteen here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am so tired. Um, yeah, yeah so follow us on Patreon. We'll have some uh, bonus steps up that Josh and I will work on. We promise. And um, until then, see you later, horse girls. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Until next time. See you later, horse girls. Ah. There we go. I fucked it up. Mm